Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Thursday, October the 4th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, I apologize to those of you who may have tried to listen into the live broadcast. I thought we had a workaround that worked, but apparently Bitdefender's workaround doesn't quite work well enough, so... Got to contact them and get that fixed. But we'll get it going. We'll, get, we'll have the broadcast feature coming back real soon. The main thing is, since 99% of our listeners listen to the recorded podcast, no problem there. You get to hear our lovely dulcet tones every day, no matter what. And that's the good news. And everything's <laughs> always working out for us. And well. it does. It always ends up working out for us. We just have to be a little patient sometimes. But it always works out for us in the end. And that's the main thing. So how are you doing? How, how's it been since uh, Tuesday when we last talked? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how much has transpired in just two days Ooh, since okay. I talked to Glenn. Well, tell um, me more. Well, okay, so let me start with kind of an overarching thing, and then I'm going to get into Project Body Update. Okay. So it was a couple days ago that I was just standing in the middle of my living room when this thought, like, descended upon me, which is I am now living my dream life. I'm now living the life that I have always desired to live. How about that? And I had to take a step backward and go, what does that really mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was really recognizing that, you know, ever since I was very young, I always had this desire for more. Mm -hmm. Whatever I had, I wanted more of it. I used to think that was a bad thing. But then I heard Abraham talk, and they really expressed how desiring more is actually hardwired into our humanity. And I was like, oh, so I don't have to feel guilty like I'm being selfish because I always want more. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear you. And the, the truth is, no, we are designed for more. That's the whole idea of expansion. We are ever-expanding beings. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So, you know, as I've talked before about my personal history of you know, different courses and, and seeking new information and new awareness. Um, even when I would seek out a new course that I felt like, ah, this is the one. And, and that was usually my thought. This is the one that is, is going to somehow become the nirvana of what I seek. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it felt really good for a while. And then I found its limitation. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be disappointed. And then I'd go seeking for something else because I had a desire for more. And so I know that when I was introduced to Law of Attraction in 2007, I really sensed, not the first day I listened to the first CD, but as I was listening consistently, I had this awareness that everything I would ever need to know, I could find within the, uh, the principles of Law of Attraction. Everything I would need to know, I was now connected, connected to my inner being. And between what Abraham Hicks shares and other, you know, teachers of law of attraction and my inner being, I had it all. Nice. And I knew mm. that at least I had the resource to connect to all the answers I would ever ask questions for. So that's kind of the background of where I am now. And I realized that the thing I've always desired was to have greater levels of Stability when it came to how I responded to things, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a sense of knowing that my life is moving in the direction that I desire yeah. and that and here's the big piece. And I think this is what tipped me over the other day in a good way is I am no longer freaked out by resistance. That's cool. Now that's kind of an exaggerated sentence because I don't freak out. But <laughs> in other words, I found and I'll share this when I talk about my update on Project Body, is I have found that there is no feeling that is too frightening to work with. There's, there, there's no resistance that's within me that I can't find a way to resolve that's and cool. get cleared out of my vibrational space where the resistant thoughts, I can reframe in a way that no longer don't support me, but I can reframe them into thoughts that do support me. And so that level of awareness is what hit me a couple days ago. Very and nice. I thought, oh my gosh, this is my dream life. This is my dream life. I, I feel like I'm entering into 
a completely different realm of Wendy. I mean, I'm like Wendy 3.0. <laughs> like Wendy 2.0 was when I really started getting into law of attraction. Right. Wendy 3.0 is the version now where I don't just understand and master the principles of law of attraction, but I'm living the principles of law of attraction. So this, the is, way... a, this is a major release of Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a major release, not a minor release That's right. or update or revision. It's a major it's release. A, <laughs> it's a major one. And, you know, those of us who listen to Abraham Hicks on a regular basis, um, there's kind of a, I think there's kind of a nirvana um, message that they delivered. Like there is so much possible to us. Um, and then their favorite phrase is, you just need to find a way to and then fill in the blank. Well, I think I found the way to. I found the way. And it's using the personal transformation um, practices that I have under my belt. That's really good. And <sighs> life feels reborn, truly reborn. So that's kind of the overarching piece. Now, the things that support that, um, I think I shared – that now we're going on about two weeks that I've been on what I would call my own personal um, body retreat, where I started by watching a Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, and she was interviewing Janine Roth, who wrote the book uh, Women, Food, and God. Mm -hmm. And I had that book on my bookshelf for a number of years, read it, and went, okay, yeah, that was nice, but it didn't really move the needle for me. But after watching Janine's interview with Oprah, and then I watched it again, I really felt led, go get that book, start reading it. And little by little, as I would read a paragraph at a time, I'd have this <gasps> huge epiphany where I literally would gasp like, oh my God, I, I never really saw this before. I didn't understand this before. And so one epiphany after another, I started to get a sense of this whole Wendy has been overweight all her life issue, that whole thing became manageable. Like it wasn't this out of control. I don't know what the heck to do with it. Every other part of my life seems to be working well, except for this one. I know I've cleared out a bunch of resistance, but yet overweight still remains. So like, what's up? <laughs> um, you know, cause what we know with law of attraction is whatever we have in our reality is a, um, a product of what we've been thinking. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, well, I must be thinking some thoughts that are that match with Wendy maintaining being overweight. Absolutely. Because there's no, no two ways around that. No, not really. And it didn't really bother me in terms of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because I'm on a continual search for finding what those thoughts are. And... Uh, this book, Women, Food, and God, really started to give me new ideas of how to search for the thoughts. And it all comes, and this is so funny to me, well, it all comes down to something I say all the time. It always comes down to our feelings. If you follow the feeling, you will find what's the, the pocket of resistance. But when it came to food stuff or body image stuff or anything that kept me overweight stuff, the feelings felt hmm, almost undefinable, unidentifiable. I knew there were feelings. I just, I didn't know what to do with them mm -hmm. because it's, you know, like if let's say you're like, like I know with the um, software stuff and, and the fact that, you know, our show can't, isn't always live because you're dealing with some tech issues. You know, we could say that's frustrating. That's an easy to identify emotion. Mm -hmm, sure. Right? You know, and if it keeps going on long enough, it could turn into anger. We can easily identify those things like anger and frustration. Yep. But when it came to things with food, for me, the feeling I would feel couldn't be as easily identified as I'm frustrated or disappointed or I'm angry or I'm lonely, or I'm sad. It, it Almost all of them had a, a guttural um, identifier. You know my favorite thing? 
that's kind of, and it's like, well, how do you identify what uh is? You know, somewhere on the emotional guidance scale. Well, it's number it's 12, of good... course, or 12 and a half. Right? <laughs> exactly. Abraham never said, okay, so if you have this guttural feeling of uh, you know, this is where it is. I just knew it didn't feel good. But, you know, if it's anger or frustration, it's easier to ask questions around that. But for me, I just found I couldn't seem to identify this stuff. So anyway, um, let's just say this. I decided if all I have is, uh, let's start there. And I did. And I'd get a feeling that felt unidentifiable. And I'd say, can I think of a time when I maybe first felt this? And then, thank goodness, my inner being would give me a memory of something. Um, and, you know, even if it was a memory that's not totally accurate, the memory still got me somewhere. I mean, when I say not accurate, I may not remember the exactness of what happened maybe when I was two years old. But there's some kind of representation within me that was able to ident- begin to identify this is what I felt. And so I just, every time I'd have a feeling, um, I'd either stop in that moment and start asking questions or I'd write it on a piece of paper and I'd say, this is something I want to work on when I have the time to do so. Um, and I want to say sometime last week, I did share my story about the three cake balls at my niece's bridal shower. Do you remember me sharing that? Oh, do I remember? We made a, a whole episode about it. We, we named the episode okay, after it. So. Do I remember it? <laughs> so, you know, just the, the abbreviated version, because this is one of, that was one of the pivotal moments is where in the past, when food has been presented to me, whether it's because I put it on my own plate because I'm eating at home or whether I'm at a restaurant or whether in this case I'm at an event, when there's food, I obtain it and I eat it. And the thought of does it taste good or not never really entered the equation. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, even if I had the awareness, I'm not really enjoying this. The thought of not finishing it was not an option for me. Mm-hmm. Now, did I have choice? Of course I did. But my pre-programming just said, well, what do you do with it? Well, you eat it. Mm. And so that whole concept, to go back, I guess, and watch, listen to the archive if you wanted the whole story, resulted in me imagining, because I had the three cake balls and I really didn't enjoy any of them, except for the outer candy coating. I like that, but I didn't really like the cake inside. But I ate them all, even though I knew I had the complete awareness I wasn't enjoying them. Mm. But in my imagination, this was like several days later, in my imagination, I pictured what it would be like to not finish them. The moment I had the awareness, ooh, this doesn't taste good, mm. that I just stopped eating it. And then for days afterwards, and I can still picture the plate with these three uneaten um, cake balls, and I'm imagining somebody picking up the plate and throwing it in the trash, and I feel okay <laughs> about it. That's a now, big, that's a big step right there, isn't it? I mean, be, feeling okay about me, that. Yeah. And now if this makes no sense to you because you've never had an issue with food, but maybe you have an issue with alcohol, think about what it might be like if you taste some liquor and your body says, I don't want any more. Or you go, oh, I don't really like that. And you just left it because for someone who, who really loves their alcohol or who is an alcoholic, it wouldn't matter that it didn't taste good. As a matter of fact, I heard a line on a television show yesterday, and, and it was a, a alcoholic speaking, and she said, alcohol has taste? <laughs> like, that was a new concept. It was like, no, right. you just drink alcohol. You don't, you don't drink it for its flavor. <laughs> so well, if you don't have a food issue or an alcohol issue, maybe you have a gambling issue. Like, you go buy a Seven Eleven, and it just doesn't dawn on you to not go in and buy a scratch-off. So this is not just about me and food because if I'm sharing about it because this is how it has shown up in my life, this resistance has having to do with food and causing me to become overweight. But the principles that I'm going through to make these changes are adaptable for anything in your life that's not working for you. Okay. 
So, okay, so that's why I say when I have the image of throwing those cake balls away, I feel good. I have a sense of, oh, yeah, that's so new. Because in the past, that was unfathomable Mm -hmm. to the point that it would probably haunt me if I thought, oh, my God, somebody threw away food. I just can't look at it. It's like one of the old jokes that I remember, really bad jokes and and really bad taste uh, from – Back when I was in school, now I, I never joined a fraternity, but there were always efforts by the various fraternities on campus to get me to join. I kept saying, "No, no, no, I'm just not that. I'm not into that kind of thing." But the one thing you could always count on about a fraternity party was that it was full of beer. And the, the running joke was, <laughs> "You know, do what you want to the girl, but leave my beer alone." I mean, and it was only half a joke. You know, <laughs> they really meant, they were protective of their beer. I mean, there exactly. were fights would break out over it. You know, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that was then, and what's transpired in the last couple of days is that I have made a commitment to relearning and rediscovering my body signals, because for many years, I stopped listening. Either I literally didn't want to hear my body signal when it said, you're full, stop eating, mm-hmm. Um or I just denied it, like just pretended it didn't exist. Sure, yeah. But I realized my body has been trying to talk to me through these sensations and to let me know when I'm hungry, to let me know when I'm full, to let me know when I'm satisfied, to let me know when I'm overfull, and to let me know when now I'm sick to my stomach. And I haven't always known what to do with those. They've been there, but I normally just eat right past them all until I'm like, mm. and not always. But that's what I have done in the past. That was the past history, and so, yeah. So I have been paying attention to food and my body and what I feel. And I'll tell you, one of the exercises that I did was to eat without distraction. So I made some food, put it on a plate, sat at my kitchen table. Okay, sitting at my kitchen table, new concept. Oh, really? Okay. Usually sat... Oh, yeah, I usually sat in the living room in front of the coffee table uh-huh. with the TV on while I played solitaire on my laptop. Yes. So I had multiple distractions. And one of the things I had heard about was you can't be present and really eat your food in a way that you can savor it, taste it, and be aware of it if you're so distracted by TV, laptops, etc. This is true. Even conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tested it and I ate a meal in silence. Walt, I thought it was going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) The interminable silence. (laughs) Yeah. Now I know why I have avoided eating without distraction Mm -hmm. because it was kind of painful at first. Mm. And, oh, I wanted to do something. So, like, I, I did make it through one whole meal without distraction and I was aware of my food, and I was kind of shocked at, wow, there's still so much more to go before I'm done, where when a person distracts, what happens is you notice the first bite, and then you don't notice until you're eating your last bite. You go, hey, where did it all go? Mm-hmm. Sure. Because I wasn't paying attention. So this time, I was aware throughout the whole process. So I got to ask you, and- in all that interminable silence that was driving you crazy and causing you intense pain, <laughs> did you also taste the food? I did. I tasted it. I savored it. I noticed where it landed on my tongue that I could get the sweet flavor or the sour flavor or the whatever flavor. Mm. Uh, I was in a calm state. There was nothing. The only agitation was the fact that I was in silence, but I was taking deep breaths to let that agitation of non-distraction pass through me. Um, And when I was done, it felt good to check in and have my body signal be available to me that I recognized, which was, I feel satisfied. I feel full. Nice. Like I really don't want more food. Yeah, went, that's good. Whoa. So that was like a totally wow experience. Yeah. Um, I will say since then, I've done what I would call more conscious eating. And I do have, I won't say I'm doing it to, for the purpose of distraction, but like I've, I've listened to our podcast or I've listened to webinars um, while I'm 
eating. Well, thank you for listening but to our I, podcast. I mean, I like the selection. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm staying really connected to my food. And I think because I'm visual, uh, and remember, auditory is like my least favored modality. Right. It seems as though, for me, the auditory component doesn't seem to distract me that much. Oh, interesting. And I'm able to stay pretty conscious about what I'm eating. But when I have TV going and I have, you know, my laptop up and I'm seeing all sorts of visual things, that was very distracting for me. That's interesting you say so, that because I have a similar experience only on the visual side because, you know, visual is my weakest uh, sense. And very often we'll do what you described. We'll eat in front of the television with Louise on the laptop playing the video game. <laughs> <laughs> but if the food is, is, is especially good, I'll zone out the TV entirely. And I think you just identified mm-hmm. why, because it's not a strong sense for me. That, that's interesting because I was surmising that, but you sharing your experience, which is from a very different sensation modality, mm. that does make sense to me. Yeah. So. I've made it a practice whenever possible. I'm trying to eat in silence. Not that I know, I don't believe I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life. I even checked in with my inner being and my inner being let me know that eating in silence is just while I'm setting up the new neural connections. Which makes sense. I mean, if you had to eat in silence all the time, you couldn't go out to dinner with friends. So, of course, you'd you'd have to be able to do that. And like I will say, I did go out to dinner uh, last week with somebody, and I was aware of how I was not that aware, not that conscious about my food. Even though I kept checking in, this was a friend that I've been trying to connect with for a long time, and so I was really much more present to my conversation with her Mm, than I was to my food. Right. Um, But before I ate... Um, we were talking, you know, do we want an appetizer? And I went inside and I asked, you know, I just checked in with how my body felt. And I said, do I want an appetizer? And I heard no. And I went, okay. And so what do I want? And I already know it's a restaurant I go to and I always get the same entree. <laughs> and I said, does this entree work? And I got yes. Um, and she was all, I mean, before we even started, when the waiter was talking um, appetizer, she was already talking desserts. Because she knew that ah. restaurant for a particular dessert, ah. which is not even my favorite dessert. And so um, when she ordered it, she goes, do you mind if I order dessert? And I said, not at all. Go for it. <laughs> um, and I was still finishing my entree. And I felt very complete when it was over. Nice. So I feel like, in a sense, I got some of the results yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, I think you could But I was, I was not as conscious. I, I, I will tell you, I was not as conscious as I have been you know, lately. But you were more so, conscious than I, you've been in previous times that you've gone out to dinner. So it was actually progress. Yes. Oh, I'm definitely making progress, um, which reminds me, there was one day throughout this this process, I remember telling my friend Rhonda, I said, you know, I kind of feel disappointed because I kind of expected, hey, this new concept and idea has come to me. And I sort of wanted to step on the scale and see 20 pounds lost. Mm. <laughs> Which I know is completely ridiculous, but yep. that's the level of how um, huge and significant these changes for me have been. Mm-hmm. That it felt as though the results, the external um, response should be that the scale has just like gone, whoa, 20 pounds <laughs> down and all my clothes are fitting loose and I can't, you know, I have nothing that really fits. And the scale reads but a little re- had- unusual reading that you've never seen before. It says recalibrate, recalibrate. <laughs> You know, but I did realize, okay, it has taken me a very long time, well, to build these patterns that I don't like, and I've reinforced them for decades. And so the fact that I'm getting such quick results now, I have to stay focused on this is a process. Mm. This, This is not a one and done. It's not like a diet, you lose 20 pounds and you're done. Right. Because actually, we all know that if you do that, it's not done because you'll just gain 30 pounds. <laughs> that can definitely happen. No doubt. Hey, I, this I, before, is a new. 
Before you continue, I, I, I realized that I kind of broke my new rule. My new rule is to do promos early in the show. So oh, let's get the promos in. in. Now. Um, two promos that we're doing uh, every show, and, and I want to continue them here. First of all, if you're not yet a subscriber, maybe this is your first episode that you're listening to, take a moment and become one. It's very easy to do. If you aren't sure where the subscribe button is, just go to the homepage of our website at LOAToday.net, and you'll find instructions on how to do the whole process. And then once you subscribe, all of the episodes, we do 11 a week, all of them will come directly to your smartphone, and you won't miss a single one of them. And then the other uh, promo message is we have been, over the last three months, pushing really, really hard on getting our listeners to post on their favorite social media channels the fact that they're listening to LOAToday.net. And we did it deliberately with the goal of increasing membership, uh, taking advantage of how the law of attraction works, as well as of how social media reach works, and using that combination to reach people that we would never reach otherwise. And it's working. Um, I mean, Wendy, for instance, I can tell you uh, we got the numbers for September. Now that September is all done, um, September we broke some records. Uh, for the first time, Ooh, we, let's cl- hear about it. we cleared 10,000 plays in a month. In fact, we swooped past it. We, we finished over 12,000 plays in the month, and the previous record was, was in the 9,000 range. Um, we, we soared past the number of unique listeners we had. The, the previous high was somewhere around 250. Last month was 332, so huge increase there. I mean, over overall, across the board, we're just getting large, large increases in our listenership numbers, and we want that trend to continue. So that's why I'm telling people, who are listening, you are really making a difference. Please continue to make that difference because we just we want the happiness to be spread around the world. We want everybody yeah. getting their daily dose of happy, and you're making it possible. So thank you for, for doing what you've been doing, and just keep doing it and do it some more. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, thank you for that commercial announcement. And you're now welcome. back to the program. Back to our regularly <laughs> scheduled program. Yes. So let's see, what's been happening for me the last couple days that has really just caused me to have so much more belief and knowing that I turned a corner is, and now I'm doing it every every time I have a feeling that has to do with food, every time I'm examining it. And so here's what I found is pretty interesting. Food issues, food rules, food resistance, really not a problem during the day. It comes at night. Really? And it's, yeah, it's almost as if every night I'm in my own incubator slash experiment. (laughs) And Mm. I never know what's going to pop up. But I've had things where I have cravings for salt. So then I've been, you know, looking into what's that about. Um, I've had, I want to graze all night long. So I've been looking into that. Um, I'll start eating dinner and it's like, there's not an end where my body signal, my body has already signaled, signaled me I'm done, but I want to keep going. So I've looked into that. Um, and I've had a lot of guttural responses when I think, well, what does this feel like? (laughs) And so I think yesterday morning, I wanted to work on, oh, I know, um, two nights ago, I finished dinner. I felt full, felt satisfied. About an hour or two later, wanted to eat some more. I asked my body, are you hungry? And I heard yes. And I said, are you hungry for food? And I got no. And I said, what are you hungry for? And I didn't get a response. Ah. But, oh, the feeling to eat was overwhelming. Wow. And so I did something with complete eyes open, conscious awareness. I ate. And I wanted to see what it would feel like if I paid attention to my eating, knowing I was not hungry for food. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ate. And after I ate whatever I ate, I was not satisfied. Wow. And then I wanted to eat some more. And so I gave my permission, myself permission to go ahead and do it and watch, watch what I do and feel what I feel. So by the time I finished eating the next something, now I was at that point of, I've eaten too much. This feels really icky. I mean, really, ugh. 
Mm. And I knew I was going to be going to sleep relatively soon. And so by the time I got to bed, I went, oh, I hate how this feels. Now, of course, for me, this is a familiar feeling. I've done this multiple times in my life. Mm -hmm. But this time I was doing it, I was paying attention to it very consciously. Yeah, yeah. And I had no intention of denying how it felt or what I did. So the next morning when I woke up, you know, the joy of eight hours of sleep, you know, now my body has digested food, so I don't feel so icky anymore. But now I was ready to say, what is this about? And um, I felt led to go to one of my resources. And I think it's, it's a book called Messages of the Body. And so I was it was so interesting because I was looking through it for all sorts of things, all these different topics, and nothing was really resonating with me until I st literally stumbled. I didn't even look this one up. This is how clever my inner being is to get my attention. Okay. <laughs> I stumbled. It's like a five or 600-page book. It's huge. It's like mm -hmm. a big um, reference, almost like an encyclopedia. It's huge. Wow. Um, so anyways, as I'm thumbing through to find what I thought I was looking for, I found something that got my attention and I put my finger in it and I said, as soon as you read this other thing, come back here. So I went to where I intended to go and went, yeah, nothing in that's resonating with me. So I went back to where my finger was and lo and behold, you'll love the topic, which didn't even dawn on me to look at excessive eating. Ah, yeah. <laughs> now there, there's a resonance. Yeah, no, I've only been in denial of excessive eating for gazillions of years, so why would I purposely look up excessive eating, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I read it, and there's a, maybe three, four, five sentences, but the one that really popped out to me said, fear of emotions. Ooh. And for whatever reason, I went, oh, that I'm resonating to that. Like, yeah, there's something about fear of emotions and, and not knowing how to process them. And I went, whoa. So I went, I went back to what did it feel like last night when I ate to the even though I didn't want food, but I want, but I was going to eat food. And, and I felt that feeling and I realized it felt childlike. So I, I knew it was something that happened when I was very young and I had the awareness that I just had like so many emotions going through me and I felt overwhelmed. Now, this is me in the state of me as a child. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmed mm -hmm. with these emotions and I didn't know what to do with them. Like I couldn't have identified what they were. I couldn't identify whether it was fear or sadness or depression or happiness or elation. I, I could not identify the feelings. I just knew that they were there. I was feeling emotions and there were so many of them that it scared me. It just simply scared me. And if I ate food, the emotion would dissipate. And what I know from a more scientific perspective is, and, and there are many people who are overweight who identify excess eating as going into a food coma or having a food hangover. I've used those phrases. I remember having food hangovers where I wake up the next day very disoriented as though I had drank a lot of alcohol. Wow. But I did it with food. Yeah. Food can actually, excess food can actually turn into alcohol in the body. Um. But I just found it really interesting. I never, I never, Walt, in all the years that I've done coaching and um, personal transformation, it never dawned on me that you could have so many emotions that you don't know what they are, that it could be scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm an adult. I don't think about what it must feel like to be a child experiencing an emotion for the first time and not knowing what it is. And not having anybody help me to process what it means. Um, like I know as an adult, I have um, had conversations with other adults who experience, let's say, a loved one that's, that's transitioned. And they've felt like they received communications. And that frightened them. Mm. 
I understand that, but at least the adult had the ability to articulate what they experienced. Right, yeah. And then when they said, this really scares me, I don't know that I ever want to go through this again, at least they could articulate it. Yes. But, I, I mean, have you ever thought about a kid having an, having an emotion and they can't articulate it because it's unfamiliar and they've never experienced it? And they don't know how to go tug on an adult and go, hey, I just had this feeling. Can you help me understand it? Yeah. And, then, and then the kid is probably blocked from doing that because he's realizing he has to describe the feeling. And he's never had one like that before. So he doesn't know what exactly. it is. It's like how you describe blue. I don't know what blue is. How do you describe it? <laughs> it's just that thing. It's, yeah, <laughs> you it's, point it's, to the sky. It's blue. You know? yeah. <laughs> so this is what I uncovered the other day, which was I was... I had an overwhelming number of emotions. I didn't know what to do with them. They frightened me. Um, but I found that if I ate, it soothed me. And it took the frightening feeling away. And I'm like, well, you know, on some level, that was pretty brilliant to come up with a, that coping mechanism to take away these scary feelings. Mm -hmm. Sure. That, that worked as a kid yeah. to take away those scary feelings, but then it also masked those feelings that I never identified because they just stayed in that grouping of, uh, I don't know what they are. But the nice thing is because I followed the feeling, because I allowed myself to feel into well, what did it feel like when I had the desire to eat when I knew my body was saying, I'm not hungry for food. I was able to acknowledge I'm not hungry for food and I've had lots of feelings that I didn't know what to do with. And I just acknowledged, you know, the child part of me did the best she knew to do to make the scary go away. Okay. And I was able to also acknowledge I'm an adult today. I know how to articulate my feelings. I'm curious and to know, how this, is, how is this going to tie into what you often tell me about, like when you're advising a client and you're basically helping that client to um, deal with the resistance that has popped up. And what you do is you, you identify what the feeling is or what you can talk about it or, or say about it, and you kind of poke it and prod it and all that kind of thing, and eventually it dissolves or goes away or whatever. And I'm curious to see, did you do the same thing or were you able to do the same thing with this? Because it had a whole bunch of feelings in there. It sounds like something that could oh, be I did. pretty big. Now, I never, I never identified the specific feelings that were scary to me, but I did identify the feeling that I had that caused me the desire to want to eat. Oh. And the acknowledgement of that took a, a huge portion of the resistance out of the picture. Well, that's good. It was ju just simply acknowledging that that feeling is there, and instead of covering it up with food, here I am the next morning, and I'm like, all right, let's address this feeling. What did I feel? And it was a feeling that was scary. And I soothed myself by saying, I recognize you felt scared, Wendy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what you felt. Mm -hmm. That was totally an acceptable feeling. You accepted and so, it. Yeah. In my reframing, I reframed it with thoughts like, I'm not a child anymore. And I know how to articulate my feelings. Mm. And there's no feeling that's too scary for me anymore. Because... I'm, I'm comfortable um, addressing my feelings. And I've also come to learn over with much, much, much experience that there's never been a feeling that I've, that I've allowed myself to acknowledge that was scary after the acknowledgement. Which is what you alluded to at the top of the podcast. Yes. And so that in itself was like, and I didn't know what was going to come from that. But I knew it was very significant. So that was two nights ago. And then yesterday, um, again, mornings, uh, uh, you know, my first meal, which is a protein shake and has been for years, you know, that's an easy thing. I, I'm learning how to taste it. And, you know, well, I think I always did because it's a chocolate shake and I really love it. <laughs> but it only has like two grams of sugar and it doesn't spike anything for me. And it always makes me feel good. And it's always the right amount because I feel satisfied when I'm done. 
Then when I go on to lunch, depending on what's happening in my day, sometimes that can start trigger triggering overeating. But yesterday, I had a hunger pang, and I asked my body, are you hungry? The answer was yes. I said, are you hungry for food? The answer was yes. And I'm like, oh, goody, I get to go look for food. <laughs> then I said, what are you in the mood for? <laughs> you know, and I made myself a grilled cheese and turkey sandwich, and it's like, I ate it, but I noticed how slow I eat that now, which is amazing to me. And um, there was a, I had a little bit of macar- uh, macaroni salad. And I had about four, five forkfuls. And I, ha- and I was doing that while I was waiting for my sandwich to finish cooking. And then it was like I was tasting it. And one of the things that I learned through a couple different books um, is – Check in while you're eating to see if you're still enjoying the flavor because there's something called like something like the diminishment factor, okay, which is the first couple bites taste the best, but then the actual flavor and enjoyment diminishes the more you eat. And so after about four or five forkfuls of my macaroni salad, I checked in and I went, yeah, that last biteful didn't taste nearly as good as the beginning. And so I put it away. That is like a new thing for me. Very good. So then I'm eating my, my grilled cheese sandwich, and I had some pota- uh, ruffled potato chips. And I did the same kind of thing. After about five or six potato chips, I checked in with my body, and I said, are you still enjoying them? And I really got a not really. Mm. And I went, huh. And so then I had to ask, what do I do? Because I'm used to eating half the bag at least. Wow. And it was put a chip clip on it, put it back in the pantry. And I did. (laughs) That's the amazing part. I followed what came to me. Congratulations. Thank you. So then I finished my sandwich. And I'm like, the whole thing was really good. It was a really yummy sandwich. And then I went, I'm really in the mood for something sweet. So leftover from the bridal shower, I had these chocolate kisses in my refrigerator. And I, that's what I went for. My first thought was go for the chocolate kisses. And I got an internal response, which was, that will kick off cravings. Don't do it. And I went, oh, all right, I nice. won't. So then I went, but I really want something sweet. And I saw a nectarine. And I felt like, ooh, that would be a good, nice, sweet treat. So I started eating my nectarine. Well, I get about halfway through it and I check in, like, are you still enjoying it? I'm like, yeah, it's still juicy. It's still really sweet. It was the perfect ripeness, but I'm getting kind of full. And I went, well, what do, what do I do with that? Now, I know on the surface, this might sound so elementary. People who don't have food issues don't ask any of these questions. But, you know, if you have any other kind of issue, if you're smoking, if you're drinking, if you're gambling, if you're shopping, if you're doing things in excess, in order to, like, unravel it, you got to ask this level of detail questions so you can find out what your thinking is. It makes sense. So back to my half-eaten nectarine, I, I continue to eat it while I'm thinking, well, what do I do with it? And the thought occurred to me, and by the time I finished, I had eaten maybe two-thirds of the nectarine. And I went, well, first I want to stop eating it. And that in itself was like, oh, my God, I'm going to stop without (laughs) finishing a food? I didn't know I could do that. I mean, I didn't know I personally could do that. So then I went, well, what do I do with it? And I thought, well, put it in a little sandwich baggie and stick it back in the refrigerator. And if it doesn't brown... I could eat it another day that I'm in the mood for it. Now, I will tell you at that point, it never dawned on me to throw it away because that's not quite in my, it's not as one of the choices that I have tried yet, Mm -hmm. but I recognized that I had done three things of what I call self-regulation. I put away the macaroni salad, I put away the potato chips, and I put away the nectarine. And the significant thing is that was new. It was not a, a long-standing pattern. You were establishing a new behavior. There was no pattern. I'd never done that before in my life. And I feel very certain 
that that came as a result of my reimagination of the three cake balls. Even though in real life I ate them, I reimagined what it would feel like to check in with my body, recognize I didn't like it, and then leave it on the plate. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to see how this cake ball experiment reimagination <laughs> plays out in my life. Well, now you know. Yeah. Now I know. So self-regulation is something that people like myself who have struggled with food rules, issues, dieting, whatnot, there's been no self-regulation. There's either feast or famine. Like I have fasted for 14 days. People thought I was nuts. I was even at that time preparing food for my family while I was fasting, and I never even taste tested anything. I fasted on complete water for 14 straight days. That was willpower. I didn't deal with any feelings. <laughs> I just did it on willpower. Which is and a rough after, way to do it. I think I, yeah, I think I lost about 10 pounds during that 14-day fast, and then I proceeded to gain 15 almost immediately thereafter. So people who deal with weight and food, like we can willpower ourselves to do anything if necessary, but it doesn't mean we've recognized, acknowledged, or done anything with the underlying issues that caused the problem to begin with. And you certainly haven't resolved anything. Not a thing, especially when you gain 15 pounds in the next two weeks. And now your clothes don't fit because every, I've gained more weight than what I've lost. And really what that does is that sets up a self-defeating uh, sense of disappointment that what's the point? What's oh, yeah. the point of even trying to regulate the food if, you know, when I do this heroic feat of not eating for two whole weeks, you know, produces a result of ravenous eating, crazy binging, you know, crazy food, and now I've gained more weight. And so that's what I've dealt with. For most of my life, um, but because of the results that I'm experiencing in these last two weeks, results of doing things I've never done before, I mean, self-regulation of food, putting the chips back and not eating a half a bag or a full bag, not finishing off every food that I started, not ending with, oh my God, I'm so stuffed, I think we're going to die. And then going into a food coma and having to sleep it off for the next two hours. Not experiencing that, but experiencing the freedom of eating to the point of being comfortable. That's something that I've not known. And a couple things have come out of this for me. And I mean, I'm not done. Trust me, I'm not done. I'm going to just keep following every feeling until I am living in the behaviors that I have always desired to live in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the thoughts that came to me was that I'd never really considered eating in a way that made my body feel good. And I laughed at myself because I thought, but from a law of attraction perspective, you've heard me talk many times about making happiness a priority. Oh, yeah. And when you make right. happiness a priority, you align to your inner being and, you know, you want to feel good. But that was I wanted to feel good emotionally. And somehow it's almost like the whole food feeling bad was completely compartmentalized as though it didn't exist. I mean, I really didn't see it. I thought I was prioritizing happiness and that meant I was prior prioritizing happiness in all areas. Mm but I wasn't when it came to my body. Mm -hmm. And now I've made a commitment to prioritize feeling good in my body and enjoying the body that I have good for you. and knowing that I can connect with the body signals that have always been there for me. I just wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. And whenever, you know, am I hungry for food? And the answer is no, I'm not afraid at looking at the emotion of what is there and why is it that I want to, you know, eat at night or graze or go past full. Um, I'm not afraid of looking at those emotions. Um, but I know even four days ago, before I got to the point I'm at now, I watched myself overeat 
And it was, there was a defiance, like, I'm just going to do it. And I went, why are you doing that, Wendy? You know, you're feeling defiant, but because I don't want to know what's under there. I don't want anyone to tell me I can't do this. I was like, wow, well, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I didn't process that beyond just simply being aware of it. And I said, okay, I appreciate being aware of that. There's something in me that just wants to be defiant. Okay. And interestingly enough, I, d I don't want to be defiant anymore. And I didn't even do any processing. I just simply acknowledged my desire to, to be defiant. And it was like I was witnessing a younger version of myself needing to be defiant because that's what she needed at the time. And me as the adult today saying, that's okay. If that's what you need to do, that's okay. Hmm. Like there will be no punishment for that. Do what you need to do. And I feel like that resolved it. Wow. That part of me just needed, needed permission. Huh. So in a way, this stuff isn't hard, but it's not stuff that is out there in mainstream where we've learned how to do this. No, oh, right. Of course. You know, fortunately for me, this kind of is what I've been trained in, and I've, I'm trained in how to identify this and help other people through it. Um, it's kind of a different story when it's myself, which is completely why I recommend working with a coach, because if you want to go fast, work with a coach so that they can help identify this stuff in a way that you don't have to do it for yourself or if you're trying to do it for yourself, but you don't have the tools to do it, you might go into what I've done, you know, in the past, which is just get completely disappointed because you tried and you still didn't get the result you wanted. Mm, yeah. You know, and so last night I finished dinner. Oh, so like in, in the afternoon, I had the meal where I had three self-regulated experiences feeling awesome. Right. Then it was time for dinner, had a really nice dinner. I did eat in silence. That was really pleasant. Really, I had made myself a really good steak. I think I finally learned how to make steak without <laughs> burning it and without making it overdone. Good for <laughs> you. Congratulations. That's Got good. the right seasonings, you know, had the grilled onions. It was fab. So anyway, I eat my dinner and I had a sense of I'm really done. And I went, I'm really done. I'm like, wow, this feels so unique. And I, I didn't even want sugar afterwards. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty complete. This is cool. So I start watching TV and now I'm doing the TV and the laptop thing and I'm playing some solitaire. About an hour goes by and all of a sudden this feeling of, oh, I want to eat comes back. And I'm like, okay, am I hungry for food? And I got no. And I'm like, am I hungry for something else? And I got yes. And I just had this sense of, because what I know is when you're in the feeling, that is the best time to make a change. Uh -huh. And so I quickly called my darling, dearest, you know, lovely friend and coach, Rhonda, and texted her and said, hey, if you have time, I'd love to work on something right now because I'm in the feeling. And she knows what that means. Mm -hmm. So she contacted me about 15 minutes later. And this was really cool. It wasn't even like I described how it the feeling was there. She asked me some questions. It wasn't even something that like, oh, it's a childhood trauma. It really was more about time management. And we, well, actually, let's say this. She asked me the question. She said, Is, are you bored? And I said, yeah, that really resonates. I'm bored. And so she picked up this, this idea that really was right on the money for me. She said, you know, when you're bored, well, no, let me back up. She said, for me, because I have a lot of energy, I mean a lot of energy in me. And I not only was talking about the food, but I said, because I wasn't eating the food in that moment while I was waiting for her to call, I went to some of my other little ticks, like I pick on my cuticles or I chew on my cheek or, you know, I do other little things or I like bounce my knee. And as I was telling all those things to her, what she was sensing is she said, you just have an overabundance of energy and it has to go somewhere. I went, huh, that feels right. 
And then she said something. And you know what? If the rest of the world goes, duh, Wendy, like, how come you didn't know that? I can live with it. <laughs> but here was my epiphany. She says to me, she goes, you know, when you eat, that requires your body to actually burn a lot of fuel to digest the food. I went, yeah. She goes, so really, when you're, when you have a whole bunch of energy and you're bored and you don't know what to do, eating has been my way of using up my excess energy. Mm-hmm, sure. Because I give my body something to do. It now has to digest food. And I went, wow, another thing. That was kind of brilliant. I have all this energy. I don't have an outlet, but I can eat. That'll give my body something to do. It'll burn off this excess energy. And then I won't feel this anxiety of I have too much energy and don't know what to do with it. And I went, huh. So that came down to I I need to look for some things to do with all this excess pent-up energy. But now I have this clarity. Now I have this awareness of having this energy and realizing it's not that I can't eat, but what can I do that's more productive Mm. that utilizes this energy? And I'll be honest, Walt, I realize I got a ton of energy and I'm wasting it away playing solitaire and eating. (laughs) And I could be using it in so many more productive ways that even this morning, what came to me was the idea of flip my life upside down. Go back to how I lived my life many years ago. I have a ton of energy at night and not a lot of energy earlier in the day. And my body type tends to build energy as the day goes on. And so I thought, well, what if I do like work at night? Now, I'm not talking about clients, but just other things I need to do. Mm -hmm. What if I just turn my, my clock upside down and say, you know, other people work night shifts. Why can't I? So I'm playing with that idea. Cool. We'll, we'll see where that takes me, but I'm pretty jazzed, can you tell, yeah. about the changes that I've managed to make working on Project Body that I set out with a commitment to change my body, but I really had no idea of where it was going to take me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one other little thing. Remember a long time ago, I talked about wanting to have a more personal relationship with my inner being. And I was kind of looking for different names. So I have a new name for my inner being. Oh, okay. Which I'll have to explain, but the name is Gwendolyn. My sisters, when I was growing up, used to call me Gwendolyn because we learned that the name Wendy actually comes from the name Gwendolyn. And so when they heard that, they thought that was funny. And so kind of as a joke, they started calling me Gwendolyn. Um, And so yesterday, when right before I called Rhonda, I was feeling this feeling that I wanted to eat, but I knew it wasn't about food. And I said, hey, Gwendolyn, come on, girl, talk to me. What's going on? And I got to tell you, in that moment, there was like this feeling of I'm talking to a real person instead of some airy-fairy entity. And even though you know I communicate with my inner being quite regularly, by anchoring it to a name like Gwendolyn made it so much more personal for me. So if you hear me talking about Gwendolyn. Now we know who Gwendolyn is. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome to, the, exactly. welcome to the podcast, Gwendolyn. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, thank you. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Oh, so anyway, that's my summary of what's been going on the last couple of days. It has been truly awesome and anybody who's dealing with any kind of addictive behavior or something that's just driving you crazy if you want a personal touch if you really want me to help you specifically to get through it i know i know how to help you and you can reach out to me at wendydillard.com i think what you've done is you've proven that you're ready to do your own podcast now because i mean i i was just saying (laughs) yep uh uh-huh yes sure yes good yep mm -hmm." that that was my contribution other than doing the promos I guess you're right. And, you know, I've been a little squeamish about, can I really do a whole hour by myself? Yeah, I guess I can. I think you can. I don't think there's an issue there. <laughs> so we'll be setting you up to do that pretty soon. And uh, in the meantime, I'd like to say I look forward to talking to you on Tuesday. 
Cool. I'll be back on Tuesday, and we will see where life takes us then. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope that you all join us next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye for now.